You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Berto here? And Berto, we're again back with another episode. What do you got for us today? Yeah, yeah, these uh, episodes are piling up, huh? Um, <laughs> so today I want to just, I wanted to... I wanted to bring a discussion out that kind of focuses on an area that I wasn't uh, heavily involved in when I was um, in the street, and that's and that's hustling, right? That's drug dealing and just uh, just being a hustler in general too. I mean, because that, that element comes comes with it without selling drugs. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I guess the the motivation behind it is to kind of send a message like, hey, man, you know, obviously I. I try to set the example and 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 to profess to stay away from the violence, but obviously that doesn't mean that if you stay away from the violence and you just hustle when you're in the gang that you can make it, you know, because I got examples of guys that have done, you know, a lot of time just from drugs. I think that's kind of the message here is just to to you know, to once again bring to the forefront all the different dynamics that can really get you tied up. You know, and that's just the prison aspect, right? Cuz I mean, hustling obviously comes with more risk and more involvement with people and Ultimately, you know, you can get into more violent situations that way. The thought actually came, bro, because I was asked a question, you know, <clears throat> and it was a good question. Stumped me for a minute, right? Um, it was it was why I was so motivated to hustle when I was in prison, but I wasn't that kind of person when I was in the street. And well, um, it's a good question. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I had to think about it for a while, man, and I think <clears throat> I dug into the roots of why I thought it was, right? And, you know, you could give me your your opinion on this, right? So <clears throat> I believe that a lot of people that grow up poor, uh, they're taught to, you know, man, you should never want to live like this. And, and a lot of a lot of people, they motivate themselves to get out of it, right? And um, a lot of people don't, but, you know, you know, some people do, because I feel like, you know, if I'm being honest, probably a, a good portion of the people that listen to the show, they come from poverty like me, you know, <clears throat> they come from a rough upbringing. And, and so, uh, you know, they all, they always get this, this mindset that, okay, I'm never going to live in this, right? Like I'm always going to do better than this. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a good mentality, good mentality to have. I grew up a little bit different, right? In the sense that, yeah, I grew up poor. I wouldn't say extremely poor. Cause I know a lot of people that had it worse than me. And, um, my dad had a, a good way of, of making moments count, you know? And so we always feel like we had probably a lot more than we did. But my point is that I was raised with the element of appreciating what I had, you know? So it wasn't like I was, I was like, man, we don't have shit. It was more like, damn, at least we got this, you know what I'm saying? I think it was because, <laughs> you know, I think it was because my dad kind of made that element work. You know, he made it the little, he made us appreciate the little things. And so you know, if you fast forward now, I think that's almost been not not necessarily a downfall, but it's been a hump that I've had to get over, you know, because obviously when I was growing up in the street, I didn't value money a lot. And I think it was primarily because I just appreciated what I had. And so obviously my brotherhood was more important than anything. And and then, you know, having the mindset of appreciating what I had, it all can't, it went hand in hand. So whenever I did have something, I was willing to obviously, you know, split it in half like that's just the way I always thought and so uh I think that that element was 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 changed when I went to jail and when I went to 
you know, I went to prison because it's, you know, when you're in those situations, you're by yourself, man. And um, I've always said this, you know, I've said this before when I was in the street, I didn't, my family wasn't my number one priority. So now that I'm locked up, I shouldn't be their number one priority. You know, that's the way I thought. And so, you know, starting to understand how the value of money, that's what made me ultimately start hustling in prison and change my mindset a little bit. But I mean, I guess that's a long way of saying that's how I think that I had to make that transition because I never really valued money, bro. And there was, it was, it was a means to an end with me. I'll get into the hustling aspect, but before I do, do you have any insight on that? Well, I want to, I want to throw out another potential reason and just get your thought on what could this have played a role in it. And maybe I might be way off base on this, but when you were, when you were out living on the streets, being the guy that got things done or, you know, was involved in the violence that got you a lot of respect, a lot of street cred. And I feel like in prison, the people that have a lot of cred, a lot of respect are the people that have money. And could that have motivated you like, okay, I didn't need to have money out on the streets, but now it seems like in prison, money is a really important thing, gives you a lot of power, and that might have motivated you to push harder to make money. I think that's a good element to to bring to the table. I don't think that would have been, I would say that was my initial motivation. You know, because at first it's just about survival, you know, like you ain't got nobody there. So it's like you you just do what you have to do to try to survive. And then and then once you start establishing that, then, yeah, I could see that. I could see that uh, you understand to get things done and privileges and all that money is money is and, beneficial. And just good relationships, like you said, just by the act of cutting a lot of people's hair, you got so many relationships from it. And yeah. a big part of that played into the role that you were just hustling basically right. in prison. Right. A hundred percent. And that, and I think that's kind of the, the, where the motivation from the, where the, the motivation of the question was from, um, with the person I was speaking with, because he's like, man, listen, you, you know, you seem pretty articulate. You could, you could obviously, um, you could have did well in the street. Why would you never have chose that route? Why'd you chose the violent route? And I just, I never really, you know, I don't think I was raised putting money on a pedestal. And obviously, as you get into the adult world, you realize how important it is, right? And and you have to be able to manage that. But I don't know, I, I guess, as crazy as it sounds, growing up poor, I didn't come from a place of desperation. And so I, I think I always had a place to stay, you know, even though we got evicted from every house we lived in, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, we always ate, even though, you know, we grew up on food stamps and all that. So it's like, we were making it, you know? And so I think that my life, it, it, it was, it was a testament to that. Like when I was in the street, I was still making it, you know, I wasn't living great, but, um, I was making it. And so, you know, obviously when you're in prison and you got nothing or you're in jail and you got nothing, you're using like state soap and shit like that. Like, that's not a good way to live. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God. I never had to live like that, but I'm saying it motivates you. That kind of shit will motivate you, you know, and Mm. you use whatever, gifts of gab, I guess, that you, you have and, and you collect and, and, uh, you just, you make it work. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I think that is. And, and if I, if I transition it into the actual topic, right, which is just a hustling element, I think the hustlers and the people that are known for, for, uh, having money in, and in these gangs, they get a lot of like, uh, they get a lot of respect, you know, they get a lot of maybe, I guess you could even say some unearned respect, right? Because, you know, the element that everybody respects is violence. 
And so sometimes people skip through that phase. And, and if they if they have money, they're allowed to get away with things that, you know, um, other guys wouldn't. We've talked about that before. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just the favoritism and what money can do. Uh, so, but with that being said, there's still people that are just really good at it, you know, and they, and even they have a good name, you know, and that's like, I, I the example always comes to my head and, and I'm sure, you know, there's probably nobody that could disagree with this is boy, you know, from 19th street boy was like the ultimate hustler, man. He just, he just, he just had that innate ability to hustle, to start from the, to start from the bottom and make his way to, to being all right, you know, um, and like I said, you know, I don't know a lot of boys' backstory because he was in a, you know, couple generations ahead of me. He was an older brother, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, you know, I don't, <clears throat> the little bit I know, you know, like he was a nasty boy and he ended up being 19th Street and, and all that. Well, he was, you know, he ended up being with, with Kygo and them brothers too, but ended up turning 19th Street with Champ. And, you know, his 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 story is probably, a, <clears throat> you know, um, one that involved violence too because he grew up in, in um he grew up in the era that I explained where I thought was one of the most violent eras, you know, in the late nineties. And so I'm sure there, there's, um, there's elements to his past that, uh, that, that show that. So, but I can't, I can't sit here and act like I know for sure. What I do know about him is the hustler aspect about him and his leadership. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I had, I had admiration for boy as one of the older brothers that I knew growing up because he was just a, he was, he was one of the persons that, um, he, he treated, he treated, he, he tried to treat everybody equally, you know, obviously people fall short and at different times, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes you're, but, but he tried to, you know, he was level-headed. He was just one of the dudes you can look at and be like, okay, like you wanted to aspire to do something. You know, he was a level-headed dude. Um, you know, I remember when, when the situation happened with, with Big Mondo, when he punched me and I came back to boy spot, you know, the guys there, you know, they were ready to plot a hit on this dude. You know, no matter who he, who he was related to or not, like he put his hands on the king, and and that was that was crossing the line. And boy was more level headed about the situation, even though he had ties to Big Mondo. You know, um, not blood ties, but but ties to him. You know, it, I don't think that was the reasoning behind what he behind his advice. It was just more like you know, it can be handled another way. And so, you know, little things like that, little input like that that he always he always uh, interjected in situations. You know. Um, he provided for the nation, you know, he gave, he gave the gun, you know, he gave the guns that he could, you know what I mean? He was always, uh, somebody that if, if they wanted to, you know, get on their feet, he would look out for them. Did it for me a number of times. You know what I'm saying? I explained to him, I explained to you before about, you know, being in, in different, uh, and different dope spots with boy, you know what I mean? And, and he was just that kind of guy, bro. He was that kind of guy. Um, as far as my personal experience with that, with that kind of element, bro, it was, it used to be crazy, man. Like to just be posted up in drug spots, you know what I'm saying? You selling crack and shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like 14, 13, you know what I mean? Uh, 15, probably not the best order I could have described that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but still, but being, being in those spots, man, like, you know, you, you, uh, like you're on, you're on edge, bro, the whole time, because at any moment, <clears throat> you know, that place could get raided, door could get kicked in. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're always on on your on your p's and q's. You know, uh, you know, you leave when it's time to sleep. You know, you never sleep in a dope spot, and um, you know, and that that shit gets real, man. Guys be guys be like literally just. It's like work, bro. 
you know what I'm saying? It's like work. Like you're staying there all day, you know, to sell your sack. You know what I mean? Depending on how many guys are there, like you're rotating. I got this one. Oh, you got the next one. I got this one. I got the next one. You know, so that that element, um, <clears throat> it was something I wasn't really like super uh, excited about. Like I didn't I didn't particularly find um, that part amusing. You know, some people do, but uh, being in a dope spot, man, it was it was rough. And I've been in a lot of raids, bro, a lot of raids, and uh, they suck even worse yeah. because. <laughs> Because then it's like, oh, shit, like you got this dope, you know what I'm saying? And you want to flush it down the toilet. But sometimes you go and they shut the water off on you. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and in real time, like these, they're rushing to the door. You know what I'm saying? Like um, the feds were really good at raids. The feds, they knew how to get you. They'll come at like three, four in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to be, you're going to be knocked out, you know, five mm-hmm. in the morning, you're going to be knocked out. Um, but, you know, like local police, they'll hit you at three in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, we would know because a lot of times, you know, before uh, they raid somebody, they do like a recon in, in some parking lot somewhere, you know, usually close to the spot. And then they drive together and um, they all get out and, they, you know, they do their little their little SWAT task force move and they come in. Right. Um, but the feds got that beat, man. The feds come when you sleep, man. <laughs> so but but yeah. So um, I, I remember being in in. Let me see. One, two three i was probably in like four raids on boy spots you know what i mean just they always caught me there bro like i don't know i had sometimes i remember one time i think i was in one of his new spots like i have i wasn't even selling dope there like i had just stopped over to say what's up because there were some brothers there and so i went over there and like probably like 30 minutes in we get raided and they're like like, they're like yo we just caught you down the block you know what i'm saying in a different dope spot about two weeks ago what are you doing here you know and um I used, man, I used to get into a lot of raids just for, I just, bad, wrong place, wrong time. And uh, that was another reason I did, I wasn't really interested in in the hustling element. It's like, damn, man, like, this is like, I feel like you risk more going to jail than you do profit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, you make a little money and then you make enough money to whatever, you know, buy some shoes or party or whatever you're doing. And then it's like the rest, you got you to give back. And then you start all over again. You know what I'm saying? But that whole time you're risking going to prison. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're not even getting nowhere. You're not gaining no traction. So I think that was that was something in my head. Like you know what I'm saying? That always, you know, so it always like, came back. So when you're once you had kind of this cred that you were into the violent side of things, could you just kind of step your step yourself away from that and say I'm not partaking in? in drug houses and stuff i'm just not going to work them and that was acceptable or were there just points in times where somebody was like no you're going doing a shift at this house or whatever yeah now that element was never uh, you know hustling and making money was your choice if you wanted to not have money that was on you you know um you were never forced to work for anybody uh it was more of a uh i guess it was just more of an element that uh was added you know for people that really wanted because boy didn't need to do that for nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like he just did it because it was like, all right, it helped him. It was beneficial to him and he could help somebody get on their feet. You know what I mean? So, but it wasn't like he was hurting for guys to get work from him. You know what I mean? Like he was always, like I said, man, he was always the epitome of what a hustler represented. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I, I, that, that, that pressure was never there, if yeah. that makes sense. So it didn't even matter. You didn't even have to have the, I guess the violent rep to 
to get out of it, you could just say, yeah, this is not for me. And nobody was going to be there to say, no, you're going there. <laughs> right. But then it's like, but then it's like, okay, if you're not a drug dealer and you're not in violence, like, what are you? Right? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> where are you at? Where are you at? Like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to pull off? So, um, yeah, man, I think, I think with, with hustling and then, you know, like the, the, you know, there's so many like little tricks, right? Like, uh, you know, one of my good friends, he used to always like, uh, he used to do the, the the chip bag trick, right? Where he'll throw like his dope sack in a bag of chips and just throw have it on the ground, you know, outside. And so, and he'll be out in the area around, you know, and then when he's ready to serve somebody, like he'll go get the chip bag, grab it. You know, obviously he'll switch it up areas because you don't want somebody to see that and grab it. But it was a way of protecting himself, you know, in case the cops ran up on him, bam, they search him. Oh, he's got nothing, you know? You you learn little little things like that, man. And uh, obviously, it's probably way more advanced now, but you know, than a chip bag. But <laughs> back then, that was a solid move. You know what I mean? And um, you know, you you start to develop little little things like that, bro. But you know, I think to be honest, bro, if if I can put myself back in 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 the mindset somewhat of of myself as a teenager and and the guys, the like-minded guys that I was around, we felt like money kind of divided brothers. We felt like it it took us away from each other. You know, um, the the benefit of it, if we were hustling, was to bring us together, right? Because obviously we're going to hang out, we're going to drink, you know, we're going to smoke. And that element was um, a good part. But we felt like money in general, and I'm just speaking for the core guys, money in general as a whole was a way to divide us and you know, because then it comes down to who's got more money and and jealousy creeps in. And um, obviously money brings women. And it's just there's a bunch of elements that come after the money. And uh, and I felt like we thought we were ahead of the curve by not valuing it, you know. But there was a lot of things that that um, obviously there's a lot of downfalls to not putting a value on money, not just then, but in your future. Right. Because you, you you're never setting yourself up mentally to to kind of become you know, through this process, because I think, I think dealing with money is a process, understanding how to deal with money is a process. Like you don't just wake up one day and, and know how to do that. Like those are, those are things you learn along the way. And mm-hmm. we skipped that, you know, we skipped out on that because we felt like it was, it was, uh, you know, the stereotypical, what do you say? Root of all evil, you know, mm-hmm. and our brotherhood was more important. You know, obviously you run into a situation where, okay, if you're going to make money as a gang member, <clears throat> And a violent gang member at that, who are your customers going to be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, a lot of people, a lot of people, you're probably going to have to sell, you know, if you sell weed, it, it's really, you're really limited, right? Because you're, you're basically selling to your own kind because it's not like you can have a bunch of different clients because you can't trust nobody. And then obviously if you sell crack, then yeah, I mean, you, you know, you can, you could probably, you could probably, um, swing that one. Cause it's not like you're gonna have a bunch of rivals. You got to worry about buying crack from you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different elements with that. Obviously, prison being one of them. Um, but yeah, so I think I think think I think the uh, the disadvantage that is in front of everybody is when you come from these areas, man. It's like what you know. You, you get into a situation like, especially for somebody like me who was a teenager trying to be an adult. What what do you what option do you really got? It's not like you can I can't go get a job at Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I'm 14, I'm supposed to be in school, so it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you just you choose to hustle instead. 
you know? Um, yeah. Was, you know was, the pri- was drugs the primary thing, the hustling thing, or, or was there other things that you guys were commonly involved in aside from drugs? Yeah, so I think it depended how how uh, desperate the situation was. Um, you know, as far as if it was urgent, you know what I'm saying? And not urgent meaning like you're 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 flat broke and you know, whatever, like you gotta, you know, you gotta put something on your stomach, you know what I mean? Like that kind of situation. What's crazy is I was actually that's when I was more in a hurting situation when I was like in the street because you got nobody. You know what I'm saying? And so um, then you start to be creative, you know, and, and if it's if it's not drug dealing because you can't afford to buy the drugs for the initial investment, then what does it become? Right. Usually for a lot of people become stealing. Right. Or, um, you know, burglarizing. But, you know, for violent people, obviously, they skip that and they go right to robbing. Right. Mm. You, you just take it. You know, you don't you don't act, or you don't try to be sneaky about it. And um you know, I've been in those situations. We talked about that before. Me and my brother, our own personal man. I remember one time, me and my brother on on a just on a whim, bro. You know, cold, cold winter night. Um, funny part, bro, is is I think about places we used to hang out, and you just kind of naturally know that address when you hang out there for a while. It's not like you ever use it, but like I used to just know addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was hanging out a place and I remember I was close to that, to the place I'm talking about. Cause I lived down the block and just me and Tim were ready to go out and go, I think we're going to go meet some brothers. You know, it's like winter time or snow out. And I'm like, yo, I'm broke. He's like, yo, I'm broke too. And, and, um, I'm like, man, I'm like, let's try to get some money. And he's like, yeah, what do you want to do? I was like, all right, well, we'll hit up the chicken, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, that was, a, that was our element of hustling right there. We're like, all right, we're going to rob the chicken, man. You know? So place to call it a chicken delivery on a burner phone, had to meet us at the address that I knew in my head where we used to be at, you know, nobody lived there anymore. And, um, I felt bad though. I felt, I just want to actually felt bad because when I got, when we got there, obviously, you know, we timed it out, we get there and the plan was kind of to sandwich the, the chicken man. Right. Um, because the apartment where we sent them to, you had to go to the side gangway you know, in order to get to the upstairs apartment. And so we knew that. So the gangway is going to be dark. You know what I'm saying? So where the plan was to sandwich him where, you know, obviously, you know, my brother would hop the fence and go around. And then once the person walked into the gangway, he would walk in behind him. So he couldn't run, you know, uh, we didn't plan on hurting him. You know, it was just to get the money and, and go. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it when the person gets in the gangway, it's, it's a woman. Right. And so like I immediately feel like shit, right? But I mean, we're, we're just not going back now. You know what I mean? And and uh, so we said like, listen, we're not going to hurt you. Just give us the money. You know what I mean? And and she cooperated. You know, no problem. Um, we grabbed the chicken too. We took that, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, and and we took off. So I mean, that's that's an element, bro, that becomes <clears throat> a part of your hustle. Obviously, you don't want to depend on that, right? Like you don't want that to be something that is your foundation for, for bouncing back because, you know, eventually you're going to, you're going to strike out with that, right? Like you're going to run into a situation that you can't get out of. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess you could say that about anything, right? Same thing with drug dealing. I was on all those raids, you know, thankfully I never got caught with dope. We were always pretty crafty. 
So and, when you get uh, caught in a raid yeah. and you don't have any drugs on you, do you, do they do they just like like get out of here? <laughs> type deal? Yeah, or, most times, they, most times yeah, they, they do. I mean, for for me, unfortunately, a lot of times I was on the run, right? Like I'd be on the run for some <laughs> dumb shit, you know, probation or some some juvenile dumb. Um, <clears throat> I I had the worst luck with that kind of shit. Like I would get hit for that, right? Or like I would get hit for curfew, right? Like I'd be out with the brothers and we'll be driving. Like boy, I remember one time I was a boy and Ugo were driving in his Range Rover, just driving around, listening to music, smoking. We get pulled over in the hood. They get to go away and, you know, I'm a juvenile, so I get hit with a curfew ticket and they take me home. You know what I'm saying? And then, so, like, that happened to me a few times. Or um, I actually forgot because I had been out of school for so long, right? Like, just I just live in the street life and just being doing normal shit that I shouldn't be doing as a teenager that I actually forgot that I was supposed to be in school a lot of those times. And sometimes... <laughs> The cops would pull up on me and I'd be like, what? I'm not doing shit. And they'd be like, yeah, like, it's tabs, right? That was like this little police part of the police department. Tabs is like truancy something, right? So they would take me to like the Boys and Girls Club for truancy. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? Like I'm out here in the street and I'm going to, going for truancy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, man, uh, that's the that's the, that's the the messed up part, especially like, like where I used to be, where we used to be at on Greenfield, right? Because that was like where, that was like where, that was prime location for like, you know, selling crack all up and down Greenfield, Orchard, um, closer to National, it gets a little shakier, you know, at that time, it gets dicier, you know, you're dealing with different kinds of, I guess, drug addicts, you know, the, the, you know, because you got to remember, man, like drugs are a crazy thing, bro. So, so like, yeah, you might be a feared gang member, but when them drugs get a hold of people, yeah, they're they don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're willing to die for that shit. So like, yeah. you have to be like always ready, man. I didn't got got, man. I didn't got got before. I remember one time, <laughs> I remember one time I had a, uh, and it was like a repeat customer. Like I had seen this dude a million times, right? And he was like a big diesel white dude, man. Like if I could picture him in my head, he had like a mullet and this is before like mullet tech came back. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, like a big uh, diesel ass white guy. And uh, it looked like he lift engines all day, man. Like one of them dudes, like dirty hands. And anyways, he pulled up. I met him in his alley on, on on 18th and he pulled up and I'm like, what's up, man? And I'm like, here, I give him the, I give him the dope. I gave him two bags. Right. And he signs me the money and it's, and it's, and it feels like it's right. You know, but then he just pulls off right away, and it's, instead of being two twenty dollars bills, it was a twenty and a one, right? And I was mad as hell, like, damn, he got me. You know what I'm saying? But I've, I've, I got, I've gotten guys too. You know, um, I'll be honest. I mean, since we're we kind of strayed off a little bit anyway, I'll give you one of my hustling stories that, uh, <laughs> that, um, that it's not my proudest moment. You know what I'm saying? But I was, I was in a bad situation before, and. Uh, <laughs> This dude was like the dude. I, I'm, I, there's no justification for what I did, right? But I'm gonna give you some caveats. So the dude that I ended up, uh, you know, making this move on, he was like one of my customers that had, you know, I had I had uh, known him for a while, right? Like I had been in, um, during, during my little bouts of hustling, right? Like I always knew him as a potential client, and I would use him to get other clients, right? So. Like, um, but this is the same guy who was like, he always came short with his money, you know what I'm saying? Or he would bring like shit that he would try to barter, you know, like he was one of these, yeah, like he was one of these guys, you know what I mean? And then would be mad at you if you didn't want it, you know, like bringing me like, 
like six X jerseys. And then I'm like, you know, 130 pounds. And I'm like, bro, like I can't do nothing with this shit. <laughs> and so anyway, his name was Bob. And, um, <laughs> and so anyways, one time, man, I remember I was hurting though. And I was hurting and, and, uh, I didn't have nothing. I'm like, damn, man. Like I had fell off. Right. And, and when you fall off is me, it just means like, you know, like whatever dope you had, like you, you spent the money, you spent the re-up money, you know, you got nothing. Right. Cause the re-up money is like, I told you, that's what you save in order to get more drugs and to, to make money again. Right. But when you're a dumb kid like me, like you say, hell with the re-up money, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to spend this. And so, uh, I didn't have nothing. And I remember Bob had called me and he's like, what's up, man? I need something. And I'm like, damn, I didn't have nothing. Right. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, come through. I got you. Right. <laughs> and, so, and so I grabbed, I grabbed a piece of drywall, bro. Right. And I like, I like split it in half and I don't, you probably never seen crack cocaine before. Um, no. but you know, it, it, it varies in what it looks like. It's not like, it's not like there's one solid look to it. Right. Like it can be white, it can be yellow, it can be brown. I've seen all types of colors of crack. You know, so this 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 drywall, it, it looked it solid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it looked it like it was it was gonna fit the bill, and it did, bro. It passed the eye test, and so he took it, he smoked it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, man, and and that ruined our relationship, man. Me and Bob were never <laughs> the same. Me and Bob were never the same after that, man. You know, I bet you Bob was like, never the same <laughs> after that. <laughs> oh my god! Yo, he called. He called my guy. He's like, he's like, he tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that was rough, man. I feel bad. I'm sorry, Bob, if you're out there. I mean, I don't know at this point where he would be, but yeah, that was that was rough, man. But you know, it's tough times. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have been through that though. You know what I'm saying? They they've sold bogeys, you know, probably on a larger scale than that. You know, guys do that shit with, you know, bricks of cocaine. You know what I mean? And obviously that's why people get shot and killed, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's definitely a thing. You know what I mean? So I've had like some, you know, some I guess some crazy some crazy kind of uh, stories uh, with hustling that way. Uh, you had some, yeah. I think I'm a, I, I'm going to continue to take this off the rails a little bit, just because this whole whole world is kind of curious to me, and I know nothing about it. So now, if you get shorted by somebody when you're selling drugs, but okay, so if I understand this right, you've already bought all the drugs. Whenever you sold drugs, you've always bought already paid for it, so you're just kind of out of the money. Right. So it depends. Like, remember how I said, okay, so you get some, like when I was young, young, you get sometimes where like, boy, will front me like a 500 sack, which is basically it's, it's, it's $500 worth of crack that's bagged up already, you know, in mm -hmm. whatever twenties or dime, mostly it's twenties. Right. And so obviously $500, but you don't keep the whole thing. Right. So you, you would sell all the crack, you keep a hundred dollars, you give them $400 back. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's kind of how you hustle. Right. And if you hustle like that, let's say you kept the whole hundred dollars, you might be able to get, you know, you know, at that time, you know, you could probably get an eight ball. Like if you really, you know, you could be like, yo, let me get an eight ball. And then you can start flipping it like that. You know what I'm saying? And from eight ball to a quarter ounce and like, you'd really have to grind, grind like that. And people do it. You know what I'm saying? People do it all the time. But, but so, but that's if somebody fronts it to you now, now there's situations where they don't front it to you and yeah, then you have to buy it, you know? So yeah, if you save the money for, let's just say you bought a quarter ounce for whatever, 225, you know, I think something like that back then, right? That's you, that 225 is gone. Now you just got to hustle to get your money back and make the profit, you know, but you could get, let's say you got a quarter ounce for 200, 225, you can bag up $500 worth. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And double your money. And so that's, that's why it's just about 
being consistent, being in the spot, you know what I mean? And and obviously the scale gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you make money. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how people start. So so if somebody fronts you though, let's just say Boyd fronts you, whatever, and then you're immediately involved in a raid and it gets confiscated or you flush it down the toilet. Is is that like uh is there some sort of like leniency there because you got raided or are they just like well now you owe me money? I don't know. I think that's that's a. Uh, I mean, it, obviously, it's it's a solid situation, but that, I'm fortunately I've never had that situation. Happen. You never had that happen. Um, okay. What, what would happen? I don't know, man. I guess it would be. It would depend on, like, how soon are we talking? Like, did he just hand it to me and boom, they come in? Right. I don't know. Like, it would depend. And then, but obviously, nine times out of ten, when you take something like that's yours, you know, yeah. and you're responsible for it. So. Yeah, you would just have to bite the bullet on that, you know what I mean? And probably ask him for another one. <laughs> you know yeah, can like, you front right. me another one so I right, can so I start making the money back. to pay you back for the first right. one? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, okay. I mean, and that's why that's why these areas, bro, that <clears throat> that are like um unfound areas, so to speak, are so popular, bro. Because, you know, anytime obviously the 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 most important element in making money always, whether it's drugs or anything is competition, right? Because if you don't have competition, you're going to make a lot more money. So, you know, when you're selling drugs on Greenfield, like obviously there's competition all up and down Greenfield. Like, yeah, we were drug dealers. I mean, we, we were gang members, but you know, there were other drug dealers who weren't gang members. And so what are you going to do? Like, you can't go to every drug house. Like you're not Rambo, you know, these guys got guns too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you have to pick your battles. Yeah, man. Like I think, I don't know, man, you know, there was no, put it like this, there was no, there was no clause, you know what I mean? Like there was no protection, mm-hmm. you know, when it came, when it came to that, that element, you kind of just were naturally it or you naturally weren't, you know, I, and like I said, man, I know guys that can pick up a sack and then flip it and then get on and then flip it again. And then, and they'll be, you know, they'll be making money before you know it. I just, I just wasn't those, I wasn't one of those guys, man. Well, and and in a way that kind of makes sense because like you said, you never really liked drugs too. So I'm sure that probably in a way that should have made you better at it because you had no like, like desire to do the drugs yourself. (laughs) But, but at the same time, it just probably wasn't something that was really important to you. I could, I could totally see that. Right. And, and the point I was going with that, with that before a minute ago was that, you know, that's why these new areas are like, um, they're gold, they're gold mines. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't have to deal with the competition, bro. You don't have to deal with all these other drug dealers, you know, like the reservation, for example. Right. Yeah. And they go up there. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing up there like that, you know, and you're the, you're the demand. You're, you know, the demand is there and you're the supply and that's it. You know, you don't have to worry about competing, you know, and then obviously when something does come, that's another element. That's why there, there becomes wars and drugs, you know, because ultimately it's about money. Hmm. Um, and I think that's 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 kind of what it shapes up to be as you go up the ladder when it comes to the gangs, man. It's about money, you know, because there's a bunch of elements that money brings that brotherhood doesn't, you know, um, as sad as it sounds. Right. Like you can you can be homies with guys, uh, but if they don't have the money, when you get into a situation, they just don't have the money. It's not that they don't care. You know, it's just mm. they don't have the money, you know, because we've been in that situation before, too, where somebody gets locked up. We just don't have money to bail guys out at some point. You know, um, but drug dealers, hustlers, they do, you know, they get into situations and they can afford a lawyer They can afford to bail out, you know, and that changes. It changes your experience through the criminal justice system as well. You know, sometimes 
money talks. You get a lawyer, you know, and I think you could even you could even say that's relevant in today's day and age. Right. Because you look at the guys that got money that, you know, are in the street, quote unquote, you know, all these rappers and the more money they have, the better off their situation ends up being. You know, not nah, you get into murder and shit like that. Obviously, that's that's a little tougher. But yeah, like, you know, guys are getting bullshit time for crimes that they commit now. You know, they rap about it on songs and they get mm. they get, you know, what I'm saying. And, and so but they have the privilege because money does things, you know, hustling does hustling and having money. It gives you advantages. So um, do I can you see the glitz. So you had talked about how boy wasn't really into the violent side of things. Do you think that boy was able to get equal respect from other gang members because he had this aspect of the money and the drugs available? Or do you think still the violent side of it still puts you on top of the person that is hustling? Well, listen, if I'm being honest, right, I think, okay, I think boy, first of all, I felt, I think he, he looked at violence as there is a time and a place for it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also look at it like this too. If I'm being, you know, obviously retrospectively, it's easier to say now if I'm looking from the outside in, right. You know, he was probably doing drug deals with rival gang members. I mean, it, 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 you know, that's, that's probably, that's probably not far fetched to say, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're that high up making money, like you're making that kind of money, you're going to run into people who are rivals period, because, the funnel of where these drugs come from gets smaller and smaller as it goes up the chain. You know what I'm saying? And so you run it, you're going to run into people who are, who are, who are rivals. And so in that element, was he wrong? I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm nobody to say, but you know, I don't know. I think, I think boy was um, in a unique situation where he had, he had done what he needed to do. Um, during his reign to earn enough credibility to have the luxury to do the things he did, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, obviously we feel like violence is king, right? And violence obviously um, can create a lot of fear in people and, and can put you in a better situation. But, you know, I don't think there was ever a question about whether whether boy was willing to be violent, you know, it's, that's a slippery slope, bro. It's hard to really explain. Nobody, I don't think nobody ever questioned like, ah, boy ain't, boy ain't with that life. You know, it was just more about like boys, a hustler, you know, yeah. but if you step to him the wrong way, then yeah, there'll be an issue, you know? Um, yeah. So, so basically boy probably isn't the best example here because he kind of had both sides of right. it pretty right. well, but whereas rather than just having the one or the other side. Right. Is what right. Right. So, and, and I think an example about the one or the other side is like LA, right. Um, the dude, I, I used to call him La, uh, from 23rd street, the Asian guy, right. I mentioned him before where he would just come and he would pay dues and, and it was okay because he had a little money and he was a plug. Um, I think he was more just one sided, you know, mm-hmm. he was just, he, he was, um, just the money element, you know, I think, I think it's fair to say that the mystery surrounding somebody like boy or whatever is enough to give them credibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, because only the guys that were with him in the trenches can really speak to that. I wasn't one of those guys, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I, I, you know, 
the relationship that I had with him, you know, consisted of me kind of looking to him as a mentor, trying to mimic his movements, you know, and, um, you know, just as a, as a, as a, as a member, you know what I mean? Um, I felt like he was well-respected. So that's a guy that you, that you wanted to kind of move like, you know what I mean? Champ was similar, but obviously Champ got locked up right away. And, you know, my older guys that I had, you know, there was, there was only a couple of them that, like I said, man, you look to and and they were true leaders and you kind of, you tried to mimic what they were doing. You know, obviously I talk about the ones that weren't like that, but there were a couple that were, you know, boy was one of them. Sorry. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, Snuff was another one, you know, Snuff was another guy who he was more, he was a hustler, but he was more of a violent guy too. You know, he was probably more on the violence than the boy was. And the reason why I say that is because he was with us all the time, you know, or we were with him, you know, vice versa. Um, you know, boy spent a lot of his time. We could, we knew where to find him. You know what I'm saying? We knew where to find him. He's going to be in one of the dope houses on Greenfield somewhere. Like, <laughs> so you, you know where to find him, but um, he wasn't always in the trenches with us. And, you know, I think you can kind of do that profile with a lot of guys, right? You can, you can put their motives on the table and say what, you know, what, what made them tick throughout history of, of Kings and gangs in general, right? There's these different elements of guys and what they do. And, and, you know, to kind of bring full circle, what I was talking about, you know, it's all, it's all funneled to the same place and that's prison or death. Right. We talked about that before. Um, you know, boy was a, was an example. We talk about the mystery behind his violence. I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't have it, but what he did, what he did have was drug dealing and he still did over 20 years for that, mm-hmm. you know, in prison. So, you know, that's, that's just for the, for the people that, um, think, okay, well, I just won't be violent then. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> no, do the drug thing. And you know, I just won't be violent. You know, to, there's, there's people that come to my mind too. Um, and it's, I guess it's a, it's kind of a a stretch of a comparison, but, you know, number wise, it's a pale comparison, but like, look at boy, right? So boy did over 20 years just for dealing drugs. You know, these guys that I'm about to talk about, they well just mentioned, um, they only did 14, but you know, like the twins, right? The Flores twins, you know, all they did was sell drugs. They were against violence. They used to always be against violence, bro. They never wanted violence involved in their, in their operation because they understood like that was what brought the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was what was going to bring the FBI and put, and put you on a radar with everybody, you know? Um, and I guess that's a comparison. Boy probably never made <laughs> one, one millionth of the amount of money of what they made. Right. And he still <laughs> did over 20 years, you know what I mean? And these guys, you know, they made probably, you know, over a billion dollars for the Sinaloa cartel and, and, um, and they got 14 years, you know, but, uh, everybody has their own path that they go on, you know, and those guys avoiding the, the, the violence that helped him, you know, yeah, boy avoided a violence in the sense he wasn't charged with none. But I think, I think to some extent he might've been held a little bit liable for the animals that he created in us. You know what I mean? Um, sure. He wasn't charged with our, our murders or any of our violence, but you think there's not, a trickle down effect. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Of course there is, you know, they look at him and champ, like many these guys started this chapter. These are the animals they created, you know? Um, so I think maybe that, that plays a role. And, and obviously he was also charged with selling crack, which is different than cocaine for those guys. And, um, 
Eh, there's another slight factor. They also helped bring in the most known drug dealer in the history of the world, right? Now Chapo. So they got a little bit of leniency for that. But yeah, man, I think uh, you look at drug dealing, right? And it's like any other, it's like any other element of the street, you know, it just gets more serious as you go up the chain, you know? So same with violence, you start to breed uh, enemies that are <clears throat> of your stature. You know, we talked about that. It's easy to pick on guys that ain't shooting back, but you know, when other guys are toting guns and, you know, those situations get real, you know, where do you stand in? So. Interesting. Um, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think that was kind of on my mind today, just about the different uh, aspect of hustling. I can't say I did, I did really turn the page when I got to prison though. I can't say that I was really motivated and that carried on to now, you know, obviously I understand the value of money. And like I said, I'm still learning about money, but you know, that started my transition in prison, you know, and, and hustling, doesn't have to be illegal. You know, there's a bunch of legal hustlers, you know, mm -hmm. you just understand the different ways to make money and you capitalize off them. You know, that's, that's, that's the challenge of, of finding success. Right. I mean, yeah. And I would, I would argue that we're all hustlers in a, in a yeah. different, in one way or another, you know, I mean, right. hustling is just exactly what you said, like finding a way to make money. So it doesn't have right. to be in a legal way. So, right. And those are things I learned, bro, you know, literally like starting on my own to be a hustler. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, like cutting hair, you get into those rooms and have conversations. Yeah, sure. They were drug dealers, big time drug dealers, but to have a mind like that, to be able to run that kind of empire, that that's, that says something about a person, you know? So when you're talking to guys like the Flores twins, like I do, you know, like the information that they have business wise, that's as valuable as talking to somebody like, you know, somebody who runs a fortune 500 company, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because you learn different elements about business and about people, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously the more you can, you can gather from people like that, the better, the more successful you're going to be, obviously, if you channel it the right way. So, um, totally. I think that's, it, yeah, I think that's a message to everybody, bro. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a simple message to everybody that, you know, <clears throat> these examples, of people who <laughs> might have been in the in a bad light, they still had, you know, great minds to create mm. this kind of instant money effect. You know, I wasn't one of those guys, bro. I don't know if you're that kind of guy, Eric, you know what I mean? But uh, I wasn't one of those guys. Go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. One of the things that I think you said that's really important is, is that, you know, talking to these people was, you know, they were great minds to talk to. And, and I think anything in life, you're going to find out that some of the most, one of the most important things you're going to know is the, it, one of the most important things for anybody is the people they know and the people they surround themselves with. That's how you get things done. That's how you get success. And, and hustling in prison got you those relationships. And I mean, we can all question whether they were good people to have relationships with, but they were really the only people you had a choice to have a relationship with at that point in time. Because, right. you know, that's where you were. So, yeah, but, you know, I mean, to be fair, you know, those guys that I'm talking about, you know, mo them, I'd say 90% of them that have gotten out have um, obviously changed their life around, are building businesses and are continuing to prosper, but, but um, legally. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, man, you're right. You, you, you know, it sucks. Yeah. I, I had to learn from a bunch of criminals, but you know, it's, it's not like you have to indulge you and know, if in what they were doing. Yeah. And if they've turned around and they're doing things legally now, 
by the time you met them, they might not have even been criminals anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah, because I think that's, that's a good point, right? Cause it's, it's mental, you know what I mean? Um, the criminal element is mental trying to overcome that is obviously the battle that everybody faces because it's, it's almost, I, I've talked about this before and I know um, you had a different twist on it, but I felt like, you know, because for me, I always said that being a criminal was easy. I feel like it's the easy way out. Um, you kind of take what you want and, and uh, you don't have to work for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a bunch of different elements that suck about it, but you know, I feel like it's, it's easier sometimes, you know? Yeah, And I, I can see that, but I really think that's just because that's what you knew. And what right. you know is always the easiest thing to do. But like when, when I think of going and just starting to take things from people, I think that sounds really hard <laughs> to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. <laughs> so, so, so let me, you know what, this, this, I just thought about a question because I kind of mentioned it and I'm going to ask you how much, how much accountability do you think there is, um, for guys like, uh, boy, right. And champ, how much, how much accountability do you think there should be? Um, in, in exactly what I mentioned about kind of creating quote unquote animals, right. Or, or, you know, breeding um, the kind of kings that I guess he did. Do you think that there's a lot of blowback that should go his way or is it kind of on the individual that ends up being that? What do you think? Well, so what I would say is, is that what, because you're saying because boy, boy was one of the two people that started 19th street. Is it, am I correct right. on that? Yeah. yeah. So I would equate, I can use a really, really well-known example for this. And that would be, I would equate this to being the same thing as Charles Manson because Charles Manson never killed a single person, but he just manipulated people to kill people, which in a way, I mean, you give me your thought on it, but isn't that exactly what boy did by starting, uh, the Latin, well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think you kind of answered your question right there, right? Because he didn't he didn't start the Latin Kings. No, he so didn't start he the didn't, Latin Kings. Well, right, right. but you he see did what I'm start so, so, so the principles were already laid laid out. Um, I can see your parallel, right? Yeah, and it, it makes sense to some degree. But I think to 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 kind of put it, you know, in a microcosm, you know, sort of element is boy is the one who gave 19th Street the Ruger. The Ruger was right. using a lot of shootings, yeah. You know, including including my own um, that you know I did the majority of my time for, and so I just think about that and I think, okay, well, if it wasn't that gun, would it probably be a different one? Probably, you know, probably. Um, but then got, in got, that situation, but in that Go situation, ahead. guess what? Then it's whoever gave the the Latin Kings that gun, you know, right. Right. You know, so, just because that, that boy, just question. because somebody else was going to give the gun, that doesn't excuse boy from what he did, in my opinion. Right, and and I guess that's why, you know, uh, that's why I asked the question is because, uh, you know, it's a give and take here, right? It's a give and take in this conversation, and I and I gave I gave the fact that I thought boy was a, a stand up dude, probably still is, still a stand up dude, um, good hearted dude, did a lot of good things for for people. Um, but then the take is, is, um, the take is obviously like this element, you know, and that is that you, you still are enabling, um, 
the toxicity that comes with this lifestyle. You know, right. you give you give a you know, you give a bunch of 14, 15, 16 year old kids guns, you know, in a in in what is this um illusionary war and what do you think is gonna happen? Right. You know, and uh, and that's why I say, man, th- those kind of those kind of thought processes are like, damn, man, like I didn't never think about it like that. You know, when I was growing up, I never thought about it. Like, man, these guys are, are handing us guns and backing away so that their hands ain't dirty, you know, um, and we're the ones out there. But at the same time, that's our choice, right? That's our choice to be out there. Right. And, and that's why I would say that, you know, you as a person are responsible for that choice you made. But in a way, I think the people that started all this, they also hold a little bit of responsibility for it as well, especially if they're furnishing you with a gun. Yeah. You know, well, I like, mean, yeah. I mean, I, at, at 13, 14, 15, we don't got money to go buy our own guns. Right? right. So the guns, the guns are supplied, you know, it's, it's like a, uh, it's like a food shelter, right? The homeless people go there, they know they're going to get food, mm-hmm. you know, and you go to a gang house, you're going to get guns. You're going to get, you're going to get, uh, <laughs> You're going to get what you, you're going to be equipped, you know what I mean? To, to be a gang member. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's our uniform, so to speak at the time. So uh, I did have yeah, one. And I just, I just thought, I just thought it was an interesting thought. Yeah. I had one more thing about boy too, that I'm just kind of a little curious about because remember back when we interviewed Paulino, he had talked about how he had kind of dipped his feet into the whole gang thing. Because, and I think it was Paulino that said this, that because he was looking to hustle. I mean, that's what he did. He was a hustler and he thought by getting into the gangs that it would open up opportunities for him. And he kind of backed away from that because he said, you know, I can do this better on my own than I can with the help of the gang. Gang wasn't bringing much. I don't know if you remember that statement. But, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because he had he had a thought in his head that it was going to be a certain way, and then when the curtain got peeled back, um, yeah, he, he re- seen it wasn't that way. Yeah, and you know, I there think that's a no lot offer. of. I think that's a. I think that's a lot of 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 gang life in general. The mystery is what makes it so um, enticing, and then and then once you're kind of caught in it, you're caught in it, right? Paulina was fortunate enough to pivot mm-hmm. and get away from it, but but my point is that you know, there was an illusion that we had a million guns, you know, because of how many bullets, how many bullets we were laying on the South side. Right. But we, there was times where we had two guns where we had one gun. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a time where we only had the Ruger. We only had that gun. You know what I mean? That boy gave us. So, you know, and, and that's amongst all of us members, you know, we were hurting, but we made that gun felt, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, man, uh, that, you know, that just goes to show like there's, there's a ripple effect, right? If it's not for this guy or that guy, then yeah, probably we would have found a way to make it happen and get another gun or whatever. We were going to survive, but you know, whether it be, we had to try to rob someone or whatever it is, but it just goes to show like the illusion is the majority of what this life is, you know, and then you see it for what it's worth nine times out of 10, it might be too late. Do you think that boy was just a hustler that also loved the gang lifestyle too? Or do you think, him becoming getting involved in the gang lifestyle was helping drive his hustling, if that makes sense. Well, you know, you got to remember, um, boy came up in a different generation, bro, with Champ and and some of those older guys. They came up in a different generation, you know, in a generation where 
the atmosphere was different around just brothers in general. And I'm talking about this is before the 98 indictment, right? So this sheer amount of kings that was around at that time was completely different. You know, when you go to a house party and there's 60 Latin kings there, opposed to when you go to a house party and there's like seven or eight, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a different. And so I think in his mind and and probably in Champ's mind, even the guys that didn't get indicted, they wanted to keep that that mystique alive. They wanted to keep that aura. And, um, you know, so that's probably the mentality they had coming into it. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, the difference, the differences, like there was, a, like I said before, there was a lot of hustlers. When I talk about the origins of Latin King, there was a lot of hustlers back then, like big time hustlers, you know, like they owned bars, they owned, you know, they had businesses, like they were, they were big time hustlers. And I felt like boy probably wanted to emulate that and keep that element going. You know what I mean? And, um, and obviously money is a motivation for somebody. He was an adult already. You know what I mean? I can't even, I imagine boys probably at least, you know, eight years older than me, nine years older than me. So he was an adult, you know what I mean? Like he had real bills and shit, you know what I mean? Mm. So he was, he might've just came into it at a better time to succeed with the drug thing than say like Paulino, because the numbers were so much greater and stuff like that. Is yeah, kind of like you're, but, but yeah, yeah, night and day. In in the listen, walking into what the neighborhood, um, in the mid 90s, let's just say you're walking in Chicago in mid 90s compared to walking into um, Wild Walker in 2002 or 2001, um, is night and day, bro. Not even close, you know, like. I mean, uh, the, the atmosphere is, it was way different. The amount of drugs and weapons and and money that was circulating in the neighborhood and neighborhoods at that time was way different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the 98 indictment destroyed a lot of that element. And so by the time Paulino came walking in, you know, yeah, like, Chapter still made an effort to have what they needed in order to be functional, but it wasn't a surplus, you know? And so, to, you know, the mystique that there was going to be a, a way to make money and a way to have guns and a way to do this and a way to do that. And then you come in and that's not the case. Like, obviously, yeah, he was probably shell-shocked. Like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah, like I, you said, he felt he had to buy his own gun. And you know what I mean? It was like they were, he was spending more money than he was ever making. Right. And I would imagine in Paulino's situation coming into it, it was much better to just lay neutral so you could have the relationships with everybody instead of choosing a gang. And now you're isolated, kind of isolated to that gang alone. And that gang might only have 20 people. So now you're you're trying to figure out how to work within the confines of these 20 people to, to make a living yeah, as a it's, hustler. It's just, it's just such a detriment. It's just, it's just such a detriment, bro. The, the, the street or the gang life um, in every element, you know, you, you can, you can throw it into drugs, right. Into drug dealing, right. Like you're not able to really make connections like that because you got to worry about who you're dealing with because you're a gang member. Right. And then, you know, even as you get older, right. Even as you get older, say you want to say you get older and, and uh, you were just diehard violent gang member. Right. And people know your face, know your name. And, and then all of a sudden you want to have a business, you know, you know, who's going to support that business? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you're going to have your immediate circle around you, but, but when you want to grow, you need, you need other people, you know what I mean? And you need other people that you probably 
have some tie to to start and start a ripple effect you know what i mean and that's that's kind of what it is right like you want to grow but a lot of times people that grow they start at home right that's where the growth starts and if you don't have the support it's going to be hard to get a business off the ground because you were some piece of shit at some point in your life you know what i mean so uh yeah i think that's that's the that's the element i mean you know who knows bro maybe that's that's what a lot of people face that trying to go anywhere in life you know what i mean um I think if if I had other intentions uh, for this podcast, I think the lifestyle that I live is obviously gonna it's gonna prevent me from probably reaching heights that I want to go and 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 even prohibit me in some areas just because of the kind of person that I was as far as what I was involved in, you know, elite of elite people, um, you know, it, it sounds good like an after school special to help the little guy make it to the top. But that's not, that's not their real intentions sometimes, you know what I mean? Most times. So it's like, um, and that's, that's my own fault, bro. It's my own fault. So things that I was involved in and things that I did, I made those choices. And now, you know, I'm always going to have to bear that cross, so to speak. Hmm. So that's what I got, man. I know it was kind of a, it was kind of a jumbled up episode, you know, started off, with boy and kind of ended with boy, but, um, I feel like there was a bunch of good messages, um, uh, hidden in there somewhere. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, ho- it, hopefully the conversation was enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was a good one and I think we nailed the main concepts. I got to learn a lot more about the drug industry, which is something that's always fascinated me. So, so hopefully yeah, well, uh, probably level, most of level. the listeners are like, man, this Eric guy's a freaking idiot. He doesn't know anything, but <laughs> well, no, it's, it's good. You got to learn the lower level of drug dealing too, <laughs> yeah. just so you know, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, other, a, there's <laughs> a whole more <laughs> to it, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Maybe, maybe we can get somebody on and talk about that. You know, I think that's a challenge, man. Um, we're moving into the mid forties for episodes. And, uh, you know, I think I want to challenge myself and our, and our listeners out there, man, you know, I want to get, I want to, I want to lay a challenge out. I want to have, you know, our 50th episode. I like to have a, a special guest on, you know, and whether it be somebody who was formerly in a gang, somebody who, uh, who was lived a street life that turned their life around, they got a message, you know, I'm willing to, to hear from you. So if you're interested in coming on the show, um, and you got a story and we can, we can talk about it. You know, um, you can always email us at normalized crime at gmail.com. And, uh, me and Eric can definitely look into that. Uh, I think we've, we've, we've done a lot of things here, um, with our stories and, and I feel like the more people we start to involve, the bigger our community will be. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us. Other than that, Eric, that's what I got, man. You know what you got to do. All right. Sounds good. Then we'll wrap this episode up. As always, we do have a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And like Berto said, with any questions, comments, anything like that, you can reach out to us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.